Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Glory to God. We're going to read one verse in just a moment. How many of you have ever heard of the famous book written by an Eastern warrior named The Art of War. The author of the book, Sun Tzu. And it has a a reputation for being one of the best books on warfare ever written. And he, uh, in this book, there is a little little, uh, truth that is written, and it goes like this. If you know neither yourself nor your enemy you will always endanger yourself. If you only know yourself, but not your opponent, you may win or you may lose. But it is said that if you know yourself and you know your enemy, you can win a hundred battles without a single loss. There's a lot of truth in that tonight. There is power in having knowledge and understanding about yourself and about your enemy. And I believe that in our generation, the the Christian church, that we have not done a great job of explaining and teaching and training a generation of believers about the weapons of our warfare and the enemy that we face. In our last study of Revelation on Sunday night, uh, we spoke about the three enemies that every Christian faces. Every one of you faces three spiritual enemies tonight. The world, the devil, and the flesh. And the three of those enemies, they are conspiring against you every day. Every day. The world is a system that is set up to empower the enemy and to disempower God's people. Your flesh is an inner enemy that fights against the will of God. You don't believe me? The reason that there are some people that aren't here tonight, it could have been, is because their flesh cried out, right? Their, the pillow on their couch cried out to them. And they said, oh, I want to be comfortable, right? That's the flesh. Every time you want to do something for God, your flesh will attempt to hold you back. And the master tempter behind it all is the devil, the enemy of our soul. The Bible describes him as the accuser of the brethren, a dragon in the book of Revelation. And the Bible would not have us to be ignorant about him and about his strategies tonight. 
And so I want to take a few moments this evening and I want to remind you of some strategies that are laid out against you. Because the truth is that anyone who is saved, anyone who is right with God, anyone who wants to do something good for the kingdom, can I remind you, you've got a big giant target painted on your back. And the devil's gunning for you. Did you know that? The moment that you and I became believers and we bowed our knees to a, to a God and we humbled ourselves to Him, I believe tonight that the enemy took notice of that. It's interesting to me that, you know, when you're living for the devil, when you're living for your flesh, when you're living for your selfish desires, the devil can just leave you alone because you're already on his side. The devil doesn't mess with sinners. He says, just let them do what they're going to do. Sinner's going to sin, right? Because uh, he doesn't have to mess with them. They're already coming to him at the end of their lives. But once we get saved, once our hearts are redeemed, once our minds are renewed, the devil cannot give up ground for free. And he will come after you. I tell many new converts, I say, you better watch out. Because the devil now and all of his demons uh, that have been uh, assigned to you, they'll begin looking for weaknesses, looking for chinks in the armor, looking for the things, looking for those uh, points of weakness in your life. Because he intends to twist and to take advantage tonight. So this is what our scripture says tonight in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I wonder if you're there with me, can we read it out loud together? Are you ready? One, two, three. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, listen tonight. The devil wants nothing less than to kill, steal, and destroy your soul. This is not somebody to be messing around with. And that's why this is a message I've titled, If I Were the Devil. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we thank you for the spirit of the Holy Ghost that's here tonight. I'm praying, God, for your, for your word and your truth to go forth into the hearts of your people. Lord, let it be heard by every heart. God, let us take heed to your word, and we thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, God's people would say, amen. Amen. First of all, let me remind you once again, the reality of spiritual warfare. I hope tonight that you are reminded this evening, even before I've started preaching, that, that you are in the midst of a spiritual war all around you. We have incredible soldiers in our nation, Marines, airmen, seamen. We have incredible uh, officers and, and uh, generals in all of the ranks that, that go up and down, even to the very uh, commander-in-chief, that keep our nation safe. And one of the dangers is, especially as our nation grows larger, that now we have a fighting force, thank God here in you know, in Hampton Roads, we have a large uh, population of either 
veterans or active duty, we have a large contingency here in this area, right? Most of the people, many of the people, young men that you'll talk to, are you from the Navy? Are you in the service? They'll say, yeah, yeah, where are you from? It's a great way to start up a conversation, right? So here in Hampton Roads, not so much, but can you imagine that less than 2% of the United States population has served in the armed, armed services? Less than 2%. So that means there's 98% of our country that has no idea about true warfare, right? And even those who are enlisted, many of them have not really seen warfare. Many of them have, of course, and fought valiantly. But even in the service, many of them, you know, uh, uh, bureaucracy and pushing papers across desks and, you know, all of those things are necessary. But there is a reality of warfare, right? And when the war starts, can I tell you, you don't want a novice. You don't want somebody breaking down the door of al-Baghdadi who has never seen a bullet fly past his head. You know what I'm saying? You want a warrior in that situation. You want somebody who is trained. You, want some, you don't want somebody who's a little flabby like me around the midsection. You want somebody who's in shape, who knows how to shoot a gun. You want somebody who knows how to kill you about seven times before you hit the ground, right? That's who you want in the middle of the war. If I found myself on a battlefield, you know who I would want right next to me? Navy SEAL. This is my best friend. I'm going to follow him to the ends of the earth. On a war, on, the, on a battlefield, there's nobody better. But what would happen tonight if we put you on a battlefield? without any training, without any weapons, without any preparation, how long would you last? Probably not long. And the truth is tonight, in the middle of a war, you must have preparation, you must have weapons. That's why I'm preaching this tonight. The first strategy of hell is to make you think that all is peaceful and good. There's no war happening around us. Oh, just take it easy. Sit back on your easy chair and have a good time. If the devil can convince you that you're not in a war, then you're not going to fight, are you? The reality is that, as I mentioned, the moment you got saved, you were drafted, you were enlisted, and you were equipped to fight spiritual warfare. And it is to our own demise. You cannot read the Bible tonight without it becoming very obvious that there are demons, there is a devil, and there is a spiritual battle happening around us. I lost all the amens. I'm not sure why. There's some, somebody with horns who doesn't like this sermon tonight. Ephesians 4.27 says, Do not give place to the devil. Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now this tonight, we understand that, uh, that God is ultimately victorious. And I'm going to get to that at the end. But that does not remove the fact that battles still must be fought. Battles must still be fought. Can I, can I tell you tonight that Satan is mentioned 39 times in the Bible? The devil, 
The word devil mentioned 32 times. Demons mentioned no less than 70 times in the Bible. This is a law of the Word of God. Pastor, we don't want to hear sermons about demons. Well, you know, Jesus preached about them. Jesus encountered demons. Matthew 4, verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Matthew 25, 41, He will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He, he rebuked the Pharisees and told them in John 8, 44, You are of your father, the devil, and the de- desires of your father you want to do. So many times the Bible is clear that there is spiritual warfare happening all around us. But so often, if we ignore this, if we minimize it, if we pretend that it's not real, I want to tell you, it's not going to go away. The spiritual battle is not won by you pretending that it's not happening. In other words, I could take you into the hell hell holes of Afghanistan where there is battle happening at this moment and I could give you some headphones and I could give you a a blinder on your eyes and you could just sit there in your easy chair and have a wonderful time. Woo, it's fun, yay. But the battle can be still raging all around you. And that's how many Christians are right there. Thinking that there is no uh, need for spiritual warfare, no need for spiritual equipment. No need for spiritual uh, preparation. Now, I have to give some balance tonight because there are some people who think that there's a demon behind every problem or hidden under every rock. And I'm, I'm not going that far. But I am saying, listen to Ephesians 6.12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Tonight, the enemy is not neutral. He has not given up the fight. He is still engaged and he still wants to destroy you and your children and your marriage and your church and your Bible study and your prayer life. He wants to destroy all of it. Doesn't that tick you off? Ticks me off. So, first strategy of hell. If I were the devil, I'd remain hidden. I'd stay out of the way. I'd hope you didn't notice me. Because the truth is that a demon exposed is a demon defeated. This is why there's a book entitled Pigs in the Parlor. Anybody here ever read it? Pigs in the Parlor? Oh, it's an old Holy Ghost revivals book. But it, the, the, uh, the whole premise of the book is that there are people who come to church and lift their hands in worship, but somewhere in their spirit there is a demon that is at work, working against them in their life. There, there is a reality of demon possession in the Bible. And there are problems that many times that we don't connect to spiritual things. And he's saying in this book, this author, he says sometimes there is a pig in the parlor. There is a a demon, demonic strategy working against you and your life and your family. And to just ignore it, to pretend it's not there is foolish. If I were the devil, I'd stay hidden. 
I convince you that it's just superstition and fairy tales. Oh, we're in a scientific age. We're in a technological age now, Pastor. We don't need to believe in demons anymore. And the devil said, Amen. He's happy if you thought that he doesn't exist or that he is not powerful or that he is not active anymore. He'd love to be just behind the scenes, just out of sight, just away from your senses. Because as long as he's there and you aren't aware of him, you know what that means? You're not going to be fighting against him. If you can't, if you can't see him, if you can't sense him, then you're not going to fight. If I were the devil, I'd hide behind cartoonish caricatures like Bugs Bunny with a red cape and a pitchfork. We would trivialize his existence. Oh, I think Satan just loves that. I'm just a cartoon. Don't worry about that. Oh, it's just nothing to be worried. I'm not really a threat. Or we would say uh, hell is just a huge party. Just a huge place where all all the fun people go. You know, if if you've ever watched The Simpsons, gosh, my mind is infected with Simpsons episodes from my youth. But one of the episodes, somehow Homer got to hell. And the way that he was punished in hell, Homer Simpson, was they strapped him to a chair and they had a big pile of donuts. And they had a machine that was feeding him a hundred donuts at a time. And they would shovel him into his mouth, and he and he go, and there was a demon in charge of feeding him all these donuts. And by the time all the donuts were gone, the demon was like frustrated that he ate them all and he wasn't suffering. <laughs> See, the devil loves that kind of stuff. He truly does because it makes hell seem childish, seems cartoonish. Hell would never want us to truly understand what it really is. Eternal darkness, godless existence, eternal solitary confinement, the lake of fire, burning for all eternity, where the worm never dies, weeping and gnashing of teeth. All I have to do is read the scriptures about hell, and it's frightening, isn't it? And he wants you to be there. He is not satisfied to be destroyed on his own. He wants you to be by his side. And so if I were the devil, I'd make it seem funny, cartoonish. I'd make it seem silly. I'd make it seem like a game. But he is your adversary tonight. So if I were the devil, number two. I would encourage a few things for you to do. Are you ready for this? If I were the devil, I'd encourage you to to get involved in a few things. Number one, I'd encourage you to be very distracted. Keep your mind off of the important things. Turn up the radio. Keep the TV on. Keep the smartphone in your hand as often as possible. Do anything other than examine your own heart. Do anything other than deep contemplation about your life and your position in in life. 
Stay away from thoughts of mortality and the end that is quickly coming upon you. Your job is to move impulsively, not thinking about things that are truly important. Oh, the devil loves to amuse us, doesn't he? To put little trinkets in our lives that will keep our minds off of him. Now listen, I am not against a good entertainment, right? Everybody likes, you know, that's part of our Western way of life, isn't it? We, we go to a concert, we... Uh, we, we see certain things we like. Everybody loves a certain level of entertainment. But I want to tell you, entertainment is a drug. It's a drug. And just like any other drug, the more hits you take, the more addicted you become. And this is why there is such a thing called the Netflix binge. There's a reason why it's called a binge, right? There's other things you can binge on. Netflix binge, where you stay up all night, losing sleep, losing your brain cells, losing your mind, for what? And people paying monthly for that precious service. Again, (laughs) I'm not saying you're going to hell if you have a Netflix subscription, but I am saying that entertainment can be a drug. YouTube can be a drug. Have you ever fallen into a YouTube black hole? I know I have. For hours, and all of a sudden you're watching another cat video, and you're like, what happened? The devil loves it when you're amused. We have entire parks that are named amusement parks. You know what it means to be amused? The word muse means to think. The prefix a means to not do something. So a muse means literally to not think. We have entire parks that are designed to help you not think. The devil doesn't want you to muse, to ponder, to wonder, to be amazed at things. He wants you to be consumed by Instagram, by Facebook, to be consumed by the latest latest video game. He wants you to focus your attention on Soap operas, reality shows, Judge Judy, romance, novel, talk, radio, sports, gossip, hobbies, cars, surfing the web, tech gadgets. Because if he can get your mind on those things, guess what you're not thinking about? Prayer. Winning souls. Serving the Lord. He wants to fill your head with perversities. Today, it's more pervasive than than ever before. Pornography, so easily accessible. It used to be before smartphones, before technology. If you wanted to find pornography, you'd have to go to the shady part of town and show your face to some seedy character and ask for that one behind the counter. Today, you don't have to do any of that. You put in one search term and push go. And he wants to fill your head with perversities and unspeakable sexual appetites. He wants to defile your mind, but ultimately the reason why is as long as you're on that stuff, you're not thinking about God. You're not thinking about the blood of Jesus. You're not appreciative of your life for God. 
He loves to keep the attention of young men because there is no greater force for God in all the earth than young men whose hearts are passionate for the kingdom of God. So that's why there is a strategy against young men to keep your mind focused on things of this world, console games. Console games have a double-edged sword. You know why? Because especially for young men, they're not only demanding and time-consuming, but they also serve to numb the mind against the horror of spilling blood and killing. Did you ever notice that the best games, the most popular games on the market, are all first-person shooters? In many forms. You might be killing Nazis or zombies, but either way, there's a gun in your hand. And are we surprised of the outbreak of how many uh, mass shootings there are in our culture? This is an excerpt from a book uh, by Randy Alcorn called Lord Falgren's Letters, where there's a demon who is training a younger demon on how to tempt uh, a human being. Daniel is his name. So in this letter he's writing to a demon, he says, there's young Daniel, our young protege. By day, little Daniel, an asthmatic punk, wanders the school halls with his cadre of body-piercing misfits. But by night, Daniel shuts his door, sits at his computer, and feeds on violent pornographic images. He's hooked. I know what you're wondering. Why would parents think a boy would not look at these images that are only a mouse click away when they give him unlimited opportunity to do so in the privacy of his room? Once he pries himself from the porn, Daniel splatters blood playing video games for hours. Years ago, we got him started on Doom quake and tomb raider he became so addicted to the thrill of mayhem now he goes to his favorite websites where he soaks in blood gore nihilism and cynicism and there he meets our unholy trinity darkness death and despair see the enemy wants you to keep your mind distracted Tonight, let me remind you, God gave you a brain. That was a good place to say amen. And your brain is intended for one purpose, to discover God in deeper and more profound ways. Why is it tonight that the greatest scientists, the greatest philosophers in Western history were all incredibly devout Christian thinkers? Because they were searching for God in nature. See, uh, uh, evangelist Tony Chase mentioned something to me when he was here last time. He said, uh, because I was talking about a book that I had read recently, and he says, oh, you know, Adam, I've started reading books from before the year 1900 exclusively. I said, really? Why is that? You know what he told me? He said, because before that time, there was no television, there was no radio, There was no distraction. And these books that these men wrote were products of them sitting down for weeks or months at a time and thinking through some topic. And he said that I get so much revelation from those old books. I said, that's profound. Before there were so many distractions 
that men and women could sit down and write these incredible books on a topic without distraction. Thinking is a godly activity. Did you know that? Psalm 143, verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse. There's that word, muse, to think. I muse on the work of your hands. Psalm 119.59, I thought about my ways. I turned my feet to your testimonies. Haggai 1.5, now therefore, says the Lord, consider your ways. And Ephesians 5.15, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You've got to think. I can hear Pastor Campbell echoing in my brain for the last 20 years. You've got to think, Adam. You've got to think. The devil doesn't want you to think. He wants you to be distracted. 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 There's never been a generation more distracted than you sitting right here tonight. Even right now you're distracted. You're thinking about what's going to happen later. We've trained our brains from our youth. I I, I can't even hardly look at at channels like the Cartoon Network. Have you ever tried to watch a children's program in the last 10 years? The image changing every three seconds. Bam, bam. Like getting a hit of morphine every time. Bam, bam. Getting a hit. The color's changing, moving fast. And what does it do to your brain? Can't focus. I've told parents, you better teach your children how to sit still how to have self-control. There's a study recently about children. If your child is less than five years old, you better not give them a screen for more than one hour. Under three, don't even let them touch the screen. But one hour a day is the maximum. More than that, It does serious damage to the brain of your child. That's just for free. If I was the devil, I'd be very patient. Our scripture says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Did you you hear there what the devil is doing? He's walking with his proud lioness. He's just walking. He's not running. He's not pursuing. He's just walking, seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you, time is no friend of righteousness because the devil is patient, he'll wait. Sometimes he'll plant a seed in your mind and that seed will not germinate until years. Every sin began with a thought. You've maybe heard the stories of wives who've left their their husbands and their children because they met somebody on Facebook, an old flame. And it started off just as an innocent, a little text message, a little seed. But then the seed grows and germinates and the devil walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And years later, 
Years later, she up and leaves, or he up and leaves. Sometimes it takes years, but the devil is patient. He'll put little hooks. Any fishermen here tonight? He's a good fisherman. You got to be patient if you've ever gone fishing. It's, it's, it's not a game for, the, for, for, for you if you're impatient. You got to put that line in the water. You got to bring it in a little bit. Watch that bobber. Bring it in a little bit. Eat you a sandwich. You got to watch. You got to be patient. And then you see it. And then, oh, I want to tell you the devil. He'll put something in front of you. He'll put somebody in front of you. He'll put a strategy in front of you, what you don't know. There's a hook in it. He's waiting for you to take a bite. Ah, out you go. Out of the will of God. Out of righteousness. Out of the church many times. He's not in a hurry. Time is on his side. Time is on his side. What time bombs are ticking away deep in your heart tonight? He's just waiting. He's got the trigger. He's just waiting. The long-term demonic strategy requires diligence. Our scripture said, be sober, be vigilant. You know what that means? It's the watchman on the wall. It's the one who has to stay up all hours of the night making sure the enemy stays away. You can't fall asleep when you're on watch. You can't be messing around. You can't be distracted. If you're on watch and you're the one keeping watch over the door, over the gate, you've got to be alert. Can I tell you, every one of you here, you are guarding your own heart. Be vigilant and be sober. If I were the devil, I'd realize that my time was limited. And I want to close with this last thought. That he is a defeated enemy. But with that understanding tonight, I want to remind you that he's got nothing to lose. Because he already knows his end. He knows the Bible better than you do. He's read it thousands of times. He's read the end where he gets destroyed and tossed into the lake of fire. He's read it. He knows his time is short. So he's got nothing to lose. He can put it all on the line just to get one more of God's children. That's his goal. That's his aim. And to realize tonight that the ultimate victory is ours. Listen to what the Word of God says. Ephesians 6.11. I want to give you hope. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what that tells me? You are able to stand. You are able to resist. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee. There's no, there's nothing that the devil can do to somebody who is submitted to God and who is resisting against Him. He cannot defeat that strategy. But how many of God's people are not submitted to God? They're not resisting. And so the enemy has victory over them. 
The strategy to defeat hell is very simple. I didn't say it was easy, but I did say it was simple. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The good news tonight is this. Victory is possible. You don't have to let the devil slap you around. You don't have to be walking in defeat. You don't have to jump into temptation every time. God has given you everything that you need. God's armor. He's given you the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. He has given you a shield of faith. The sword of the Spirit. You are not on this battlefield unequipped. He's given it all to you. But you must put it on. The armor alone is not going to help you. You have to take it. You have to put it on by faith. Put on the whole armor of God. You ought to pray that scripture every morning. God, I put on my life. I put on the helmet of salvation. God, keep my mind and my heart pure. God, the breastplate of righteousness. Keep my heart, the the intents of my heart, keep them pure. The shield of faith, Lord, I take it up this morning by the blood of Jesus. I take up the sword of the Spirit. You know what that is, right? The sword of the Spirit. I take it up. I digest it. I read it. I internalize it. I find myself in it. I study it so that I can fight. When Jesus was tempted by the enemy, you know what his weapon was? Thus says the word of God. It is written. It is written. See, if you don't know what's written, then you are like a Jedi with no lightsaber. Lightsaber. You are like King Arthur without the, uh, the sword and the stone. Yeah, thank you. Excalibur. I could go on. <laughs> But a Christian must have the sword of the Spirit. The good news tonight is that victory is possible. So let me ask you tonight. Does the enemy have free reign in your mind? Does he have all that he wants in your soul? If he does, then something's missing. If he has victory over areas of your soul, then listen, there are areas possibly that you're not submitted to God. Or there's part of your armor missing. And I want to encourage you tonight to get some victory. Get some victory. How many times we we blame the devil for all of our woes and all of our... Listen, yes, the devil is against you, but we have the victory. You don't have to be defeated. So often the devil, he only has victory by default. If we would submit to God and resist, we don't have to live in defeat. We can have the victory tonight. If I were the devil, I'd stay hidden. I'd keep you distracted. But tonight, we can expose every plan of hell and gain the victory. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening. As the Lord helps us, what we need tonight is we need some warriors. We don't need more sleepers.
We need warriors. We don't need more couch potatoes for Jesus. We've got plenty of those. Plenty. We need some soul, we need some Navy SEALs for Jesus. Not packing M16s. Or one preacher said, John 3.16s. We don't need the weapons of warfare. We need the weapons of spiritual warfare tonight. My prayer tonight is that somebody would hear this call. God, I need training. I need a Holy Ghost boot camp. I need to get rid of this flesh that holds me back so that I can experience victory over the strategies of hell. Before we close this service tonight, I want to give an invitation. I mentioned quickly in this message about the default destination of sinners. See, what's amazing to me is that the devil doesn't mess with sinners. He'll just let them have whatever they want. The devil doesn't tempt them. The devil doesn't doesn't, uh, uh, strategize against them because sinners are already in his hands. The default destination of every human being is the pit of hell. God's condemnation and judgment. The wrath of God pours out against sinners in an eternal, everlasting fire. Listen, I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. And you tonight, you have an opportunity to be set free from that future, but only if you'll submit to God. Submit to God. That means you've got to humble yourself to recognize that your sin is destroying you and to surrender your life to God who is already on the throne. And I wonder tonight if there's anyone here that you need salvation before you leave this place. You need sins forgiven, washed away. No matter how deep into the pit you might be tonight, How far you've fallen in temptation, the blood of Jesus is enough to wash every stain of sin away. And if you recognize your need before a holy God, I want to ask you to lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. Is there someone here being honest tonight? You say, yes, I I want to be saved. I see this hand. Someone else, quickly tonight. God's speaking to you. God's drawing you. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to save you. Is there someone else? Quickly, with this one hand. Lift it up tonight. You're backslidden in your faith. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe the devil's strategy worked against you and he pulled you right out of God's purpose and plan for your life. That plan was detonated somewhere along the way and you got derailed tonight. You want to make it back home. The Father's house, he is waiting for you with arms open. It's time to be restored Tonight, is that you? Quickly, let me see your hand with this honest heart. Is there someone else? Quickly tonight. Anyone else? God's speaking to you. One moment more. As the Lord deals with our hearts, is there anyone else you want to be saved and set free? Thank God. I wonder tonight if we could all stand together in this. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. 
If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.